Good morning. Welcome to Calvary. My name is Randall Bradley, and I'm one of the ministers here, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to this Pentecost Sunday. As you've already heard this morning through the organ, music today is a little bit different. We don't always have an organ prelude, and certainly not one by the uh, famed French composer Messiaen. Uh, Messiaen was a uh, fairly recent composer uh, of the previous century. He was known for musical innovation, creativity, as a person of deep faith. Uh, anytime when I go to organ concerts, and I don't know if any of the rest of you do or not, but when I see a Messiaen piece, I don't always know the piece, but I always know it will be interesting. Uh, I will not be bored during such a piece, even if it's uh, something with which I'm not uh, familiar and something that I don't hear every day. So what's special about Pentecost? What's the big deal about today? Well, Pentecost is what, what we term as the birthday of the church, and you'll see that played out a little bit today as we move along. It's a day when the church was launched and a day when the church was empowered. We've talked about recently during the Easter season, which comes to a close actually with Pentecost, we've talked about how important the season of Easter is and how Easter is the linchpin day. It's the day on which everything about our, our uh, faith is centered. But close behind that, a very close second, is Pentecost. What would it be like if we didn't have the Holy Spirit among us? What, what would it be like if, if Holy Spirit were not powerful, creative, were not interceding? What if the work of Holy Spirit was not happening among us? So it's important that we recognize this day, and it's uh, crucial to our faith. It also seems timely today that we recognize our high school graduates, because just as we're talking about the church being empowered and launched, we're also talking about a time of launching for them. And I think it's especially important that we launch our graduates uh, in their faith and through the church, through this place that has birthed them, that has uh, helped them to grow and to be empowered. So Allie is going to come forth now and uh, forward and recognize our high school graduates. So as Randall said, I, there's not a much more appropriate day than celebrating the birth of the church and this new journey um, as to celebrate with our graduating high school seniors. And so when I started at Calvary, these students were freshmen in high school, so it's pretty hard to believe that they are graduating and going to college. Um, Grant's mom sent me a picture of them all, or some of them last night at um, the Midway kind of after graduation event. And I started crying, and I told Jean that I was crying, and then I sent her a picture because I wanted her to know that I wasn't just saying I was crying, that I was really, I love these students so much, and so it's going to be really hard to see them transition. But they have wonderful things ahead, and they're going to share some of those things with you. So, My name is Madeline Carlson, and in this next year I'll be heading to Baylor University to study business. I'm Sarah Weaver. I'll also be going to Baylor, and I will be following the pre-med track in the University Scholars Program. My name is Miriam McCormick, and like them, I will be going to Baylor. I will be joining the Business Fellows Program, hopefully studying accounting. I'm uh, Tyler Davis, and unlike them, I'm not going to Baylor. I'm, uh, I'm going to Harding University, and I will be studying uh, computer science. Um, I'm Grant, and I will be attending Bling College and majoring in computer science. My name is Jacob Johnson, and I'll be attending TSTC with a major in civil engineering and design. So this is a great group of students, and I have no doubt that they will do wonderful things in this world, um, in this city, and in this state. Um, so I'm very grateful to know them. And there are um, three more graduates, Ralph Burnett, Cooper Clark, and Kennedy Clark. So they're not here today, but be sure and write them a note of congratulations. Um, and hang around after the service and congratulate these students. But before we finish, if you could just take one and pass it down. We have a Bible for each of y'all, and I just hope that each time you open this Bible and read from it, there's an extra right there, Madeline. Sorry. <laughs> each time you read from it, I hope you remember this place and these faces and the people who are supporting you and loving you and sending you out and know that we are praying for you and will continue to do so. So we're grateful for all of y'all. Thank you.
was what an amazing group of graduates, and I want to say, I think on behalf of all of us, how much we appreciate your faithfulness to Calvary and what uh, a great uh, thing your presence does every Sunday in worship here. Thank you so much. Today you're going to see and hear different things in worship. Uh, we mentioned organ music, uh, streamers, you're going to figure out what to do with that, uh, Pentecost colors, communion, dramatic readings, all kinds of ways to experience this wonderful day. So let's pray together as we launch into, into Pentecost. Holy Spirit, rain down. Let your power fall. Let your voice be heard. Come and change our hearts. Holy Spirit, rain down. Rain down. Amen. faithful people by sending to them the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same Spirit to have justice in all things, and evermore to rejoice in the Spirit's comfort. Through Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit, Spirit rain down. 
and change our hearts as we stand on your word, Holy Spirit, rain down, Holy Spirit, rain down, rain down, oh comforter. touch again, Holy Spirit rain down, rain down, let your power fall, let your voice be heard, come and change our hearts as we stand on your word, Holy Spirit. this morning. So we are celebrating a special day this morning at church. Does anyone know what the special day is? It's called Pentecost, right, but that's a really big crazy word. Does anyone know what it means or what Pentecost is? We said it once this morning. Does anyone remember? Yeah, Sarah. Yeah, it's the church's birthday. Today's the birthday of the church. So I have a question for you. Do any of you like having a birthday? You do? You like having a birthday? I do too. So I want you to think back to your last birthday, when your last birthday was, and think about your favorite part, the best thing about your birthday. Maybe it was an awesome cake, or maybe you had a really great party, or maybe you got a cool present. Just one, one thing, okay? I want you to think about that one thing. And if you want to, I want you to raise your hand and tell me what it was. Hutch. I went to school You went to school? Did, did they sing happy birthday to you? I oh, well, I bet that you got some cool cake or a cool present. Yeah. I made this really cake. A Reese's cake, that sounds delicious. Awesome. Anyone else? Yeah. Cookies and cream ice cream cake. That sounds like a good birthday. Yeah. Swimming. That sounds like a fun thing. Very good. Okay. So I'm going to tell you about the things that happened on the church's first birthday. So before the church's first birthday, um, 
there was, a, there was a holiday that we just celebrated 40 days ago. It was in April, and we celebrated it here at church. Do you know what holiday it was? Lent, right after Lent came Easter. It was Easter, and we celebrate that Jesus came to earth, um, and he died on the cross, and he rose again, and he conquered death. But then after he rose, he appeared to his disciples, and he said, you know what? I can't stay here. I have to go back to heaven to be with my father, and I have to prepare a place for you. So I, the, the disciples, I think, were probably pretty sad about that because they loved Jesus and they wanted him to stay. But he said, you know what? Don't worry. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who will comfort you and he will guide you and he'll be with you after I go back to heaven. So one day after Jesus had gone back to heaven, all of his followers were gathered together, kind of like we're all gathered together here at church today. Um, and the Holy Spirit came for the first time. And they knew that the Holy Spirit came because first there was a big wind. Can you make a big wind with me? Good job. And then the second thing that happened is that the Bible says that there were tongues of fire. And I brought my, my tongue of fire with me. Do you have your tongue of fire? Can you wave it for me? There were tongues of fire that came down and rested on their heads. And then the last thing that happened, the Bible says, is that they all spoke different languages, but they still understood each other. So those are the three big things that happened on the church's first birthday, was that there was a big wind, there were tongues of fire, and they spoke different languages, and that's how they knew the Holy Spirit had come. And the Bible says that even for us at Calvary Baptist Church in Waco, Texas, that if we know and love God, that we have the Holy Spirit with us too. That's pretty neat, huh? All right, I think we better sing happy birthday to the church, and then we're going to wave our tongues of fire as we do that. All right, you ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear church. Happy birthday to you. All right, let's pray, and then you can go back to your seats. Dear God, I thank you so, so much for sending us Jesus and for sending us your Holy Spirit to guide us when we don't know what to do and to comfort us when we're sad or afraid. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Thank you. Let your power fall. Let your voice be heard. Come and change our hearts as we stand on your word, Holy Spirit, reign Let your power fall, let your voice be heard, come and change our hearts as we stand on your We're going to learn and sing a couple of songs now about the Holy Spirit. The first one is, I'm going to sing when the Spirit says sing. Sarah, give us a starting pitch there. I'm going to sing when the Spirit says sing. I'm going to sing when the Spirit says sing. I'm going to sing when the Spirit says sing. And obey the Spirit of the Lord, join with me. I'm going to sing when the Spirit says sing. I'm going to sing when the Spirit says sing. I'm going to sing when the Spirit says sing. And obey the Spirit of the Lord. Now, how hard is that? Not so hard. Can we look up and sing that with a little bit more energy? Okay. Let's give it one more try, and then we'll sing it all together in a second. Ready and go. I'm going to sing when the Spirit says sing. Come on. I'm going to sing when the Spirit says sing. I'm going to sing when the Spirit says sing. And obey the Spirit of the Lord. 
And we sing that in a few minutes, you're welcome to make up parts or move around or whatever you want to do. Then we're going to go right into the next song, which is Every Time I Feel the Spirit. Okay, let's sing this together. Ready and go. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Now the text is easy, right? Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray pray again, okay? So the same thing twice. So the text is easy. Let's sing it one more time. One, two, three. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. And then there'll be a solo, and then you'll come right back in, another solo in keep doing the same thing. You sound a little bit sluggish, but I know that's not going to be the case in a moment. Let's all stand and sing these two songs together from the beginning. All right. Ready now, I'm gonna sing when the Spirit says sing. I'm gonna sing when the Spirit says sing. I'm gonna sing when the Spirit says sing. And obey the Spirit of the Lord. I'm gonna pray when the Spirit says pray. I'm gonna pray when the Spirit says pray. I'm gonna pray when the Spirit says pray. And obey the Spirit of the Lord. I'm gonna try when the Spirit says cry. I'm gonna cry when the Spirit says cry. I'm gonna cry when the Spirit says cry. And obey the Spirit of the Lord. Now shout. I'm gonna shout when the Spirit says shout. I'm gonna shout when the Spirit says shout. I'm gonna shout when the Spirit says shout and obey the Spirit of the Lord. I'm gonna sing when the Spirit says sing. I'm gonna sing when the Spirit says sing. I'm gonna sing when the Spirit says sing and obey the Spirit of the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Upon that mountain, my Lord spoke. Out of his mouth came fire and smoke. Now, every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. All around me looks so fine, asking my Lord if all was mine. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Every time I feel the Spirit Moving in my heart, I will pray. Jordan River, chill and cold, chills the body but not the soul. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. One more time. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. You may be seated.
Oh Lord, you desire truth in the inward being, so teach us now wisdom in the secret heart. Through Christ we pray. Amen. I've had about five people ask me if I was going to preach a funeral afterwards because I have a tie on. It's the only red thing I have. So I saw Phil, and he had on a red shirt, and I said, oh, you, you knew what you were doing. And he said, no, I just I got lucky and happened to put on a red shirt today. <laughs> Happy Pentecost Sunday, everyone. The, the passage, the second one that we heard from chapter 4, really is a bookend to chapters 3 and 4 there in Acts. And if you go back to the end of chapter 2, which we didn't get to read today, where the whole sermon is preached at the end of chapter 2, you see the other bookend, and the verses are, are very, very similar to one another, language used as they try to describe what's going on in the post-Pentecostal days of the church. So you might uh, need to have, uh, hear, you know, in your hearing the, the theme to Camelot playing a little bit as, as we think about that. Folks are gathering, and they're so glad to be there, and, and it's not just that they're physically gathered, but they're spiritually gathered. They're in sync together. They had all things in common, properties being sold and stuff shared so that everybody's basic needs could be met. I suspect some sold property, you know, the weekend place out at Lake Galilee. Others were just bringing their possessions, right, their stuff, some bracelet that they'd inherited from their, fam their favorite aunt or a Someone else had their favorite go-to-temple cloak. Someone else maybe a cheese dome they hadn't used in a, in a while. They, they might have had cheese domes. Uh, the proceeds went to meet the needs of all the believers. So at the end of chapter 2, and then again at the end of chapter 4, you have these matching bookends of what the church was like in those first days. In between the two bookends, we see a picture painted of what it was like outside the community of faith. And there's really one thing there that you see. They had a story to tell, and they were telling it boldly. That's the word you see in those chapters a number of times, boldness. It's kind of this humbled but non-anxious confidence that was present in the witness and the work that they were offering. They had a sermon they liked to preach, the apostles did. It was basically this. You killed Jesus, and the prophets saw this coming, and somehow, by a holy twist of fate, somehow that suffering is bringing life to us, and would you like to join in and be a part of it? That's the sermon they're preaching, and they're doing it boldly. And for some people, it was a draw, and for others, it was just driving them crazy. In general, what you see out beyond the community is this kind of capacity they had, this calm authority that somehow had found its way into their hearts and minds and, and work. And it seems important, I think, to Luke, or whoever it was that wrote Acts, to show us this via these bookends, that somehow the powerful stuff that's going on out there has everything to do and is deeply connected to the loving stuff that is happening within the church. So we're going to zoom in here for a moment on that loving stuff, take a closer look at it. All the believers were one in heart and soul. Apparently, this was a pretty common expression from Greek life, Greek thinking, one soul. And it was often coupled with this other phrase that they were holding all things in common. So in these bookend summaries, it, it, they're going to ring a Greek bell automatically, but there was also a Jewish bell rung because the phrase, there was not a needy person among them, that's straight out of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 15 to be exact. So you have these threads, right? Threads going through their culture from their narratives, and they're, they're there, I think, as a way where the, the author's sort of winking at everybody and saying, here it is. Here in the church, in post-Pentecostal church, is the culmination of the community that we were always made to be. This is what we were meant for as human beings. This is the thing that we tend to long for as human beings. It's there a part of this place of oneness one in heart and soul where no one's claiming or clinching to anything and there's no one left out and then there's no one left wanting. On the other side of Pentecost, they're tasting this very real thing, maybe the most real thing of all. Richard Rohr, as he thought about this text, says this is the communion of the saints, right? It is alive and real and operative in the world. He actually calls it an energy field. 
This energy field that's created by all those who are sharing in various aspects of Christ. You are and I am. We all are. But we rarely ever really perceive it that way. They did. There's this true Easter tide and it's rolling in over them and it's important to see that. It's not like everybody in the church was just trying harder to be nice, right? That's not how they found themselves in this very generous space. It's not that they pinched themselves and somehow woke themselves up to this deeper connectedness. What our text says is that great grace was upon them, meaning they didn't cook this up themselves. Something they had planned and plotted and committed to and executed, you know, where they got all the right programs in place and they did some really great small group work and they had plenty of fellowships and figured out who was bringing the kosher hot dogs and the ice cream and the cold drinks and all that. That's not what happened. There was no real plan where they preached the right sermon about resurrection and then peace and generosity reigned in the church. No, great grace was upon them and notice the direction. It's it's grace coming down in the wake of Pentecost upon them. And the followers of Jesus had experienced, and I want to name it this way, they experienced a breakthrough in consciousness. They were of one heart and soul. They broke through all sorts of boundaries and found themselves belonging to one another. These boundaries, remember, they're, they're mostly man-made, aren't they, by, by our brokenness in particular. That's the way the Bible paints the picture. If you read the first chapters of Genesis and you go back there, it's basically saying, this is what sin does to us. We hide, remember the fig leaves between us and the bushes between us and God? We hide, we're against, remember, man against the soil, man against the serpent, man over woman. We covet and compare. Cain and Abel are doing that. Sin and walls are birds of a fallen feather, and they're flocking together always. And in post-Pentecost, it changes. The, the followers of Christ are reconnected there to this original capacity, something we were created with. They were seeing everything differently on the other side of Pentecost. There was a true, what folks have called throughout the ages, unitive knowing of God and one another, and it's always simultaneously. We, we, we come to know self and, and the other, and we come to know God, we come to know God, and we come to know neighbor. It's always one and the same. They, they saw what was true, that everything somehow is connected to one source, one self, one life. So no one there in that time in the church has any instinct to claim anything for themselves. They have transcended that in some way. That sort of mine and yours and us and them, it all now is we. Which is, of course, an answer to Jesus' last prayer there in John, right? May they be one. God, just as you are in me and I'm in you, and, and may they also be in us, I and them, and you and me, and then may they be in unity so that the world might know you sent me. The walls came down in Christ. There was unity of knowing, and that, that doesn't mean they you know, all voted unanimously at the business meeting. It means they were in a different state of being. Probably a a similar state to St. Catherine of Siena when she once wrote, my me is God? Sounds pretty strange, doesn't it, to the thinking dualistic mind, that level of thinking we're normally in. It just sounds weird. In fact, it, it sounded heretical to a lot of people and still does. My me is God? The church is generally pushed away from that and still often does. It's, it's actually the physicists who are really getting this now. Some of you have read this kind of thing, you know, the quantum world out there. In, in that world, the concept that we're unconnected individuals has been demolished. It's all this vast web, they say. Quantum physicists, they say that the world behaves really more like a great thought than it does a machine. In that quantum world, all there is are relationships. What these scientists have come to understand is that every time they observe something, they change it. They change it when they interact with it, like the, the world is, in fact, participatory. That's what's going on all the time. Physicist David Bohm says that if it doesn't make your jaw fall off, you haven't gotten it. 
They've watched electrons change from particle to wave, or from wave to particle, depending on what the scientists are measuring for meaning like that matter is somehow cooperating with consciousness. They know what we're watching for, so they respond to it. As they say, it's not just stranger than you can think, it's stranger than you think. It's not just stranger than you think, but stranger than you can think. There. And since it's all stranger than we can think, maybe it'd be better to have a poem about this than just trying to think our way through it. I wrote a poem once about all this, and I'd like to share it if that's okay. If it's not okay, I'm going to share it anyway. So, uh, I call this fish thought. Down in the underneath, down deep in the sea, where all the fish live, content as can be, swimming and then eating and swimming some more, from coral reef to sandbar, from deep down to shore, they do what fish do in their aquatic domain and never lose sight of that frightening food chain. They know their wet world like the back of their fins. They know how it works and what makes it all gin. They've all been to school where they went to great pains to learn their fish truth and to use their fish brains. They studied the plankton and all the shipwrecks. They learned about seashells and cause and effect. They knew all their numbers in wet history. They studied real hard in fish philosophy. They were certain they were. They're down in the blue of how their world functioned and all that was true. Then, one day they saw swimming a new fish among them who spoke of old tides in a thing called ocean, who said they were in it that it was in between. It connected all fish, though it was unseen. They lived in this ocean. It was their true source. It moved all things as an invisible force. With it, the heart, with the heart, it was there for all fish seeing. In it, they lived and swam and had their being. Well, few got this new teaching. Lots took offense. Ocean, ridiculous. That just makes no sense. We all know it's not true. It just cannot be. It's not in the books, nor is it plain to see. But there were a few fishes that closed their Google eyes, whose consciousness woke and started to rise, who swam farther and deeper than ever before, whose souls came to life and said, Gladly. There's more. When the tide of Easter rolls over us and when Pentecost happens, grace descends. And when grace, real grace, living grace descends, we aren't so attached anymore. And we see the wholeness of the world and of all things in it. And when it happens, we live freely and fully and boldly and lovingly. Do you see that the one thing leads to the other? Of course we can be bold out there when grace is in here. Because now they are my me. Right? There's, there's no they to fear. I'm not attached to my small self or my reputation or my ideas and my stuff. They held everything in common. Of course they did because it was in common. It is in common. My lawnmower, your lawnmower. My Christmas bonus, your Christmas bonus. My environment, your environment. My cheese dome, your cheese dome. Such a beautiful, powerful Pentecostal reality that Luke captures. Of course, we know from the same writer and from Paul and other New Testament authors and from the church's long, conflicted history and from the skeletons that are in the closets of every church I've ever been a part of, and from the state of my heart and your heart, what we know is that Camelot moment passes and the music fades. The walls of separation around us do come down. They do, don't they? Those walls that block us and behind which we hide, that keep us apart, those walls along the way, by grace, they come down from time to time, they really do. 
and the walls, they go back up, don't they? The, the broken level of being begins to reassert itself again, always. But thanks be to God, they really do come down. And when that happens, we see a different reality. We catch a glimpse of that and, and maybe even live in holy kingdom moments and then from then on look longingly for them always. From a place like that, Thomas Merton was writing once and as he often did, he really captures it. In the vivid darkness of God within us, there sometimes comes deep moments of of love that deliver us entirely for a moment from our old burden of selfishness and number us among those little children of whom is the kingdom of heaven. And when God allows us to fall back into our own confusion of desires and judgments and temptations, we, we carry a scar over the place where that joy exulted for a moment in our hearts the scar burns us, the sore wound aches within us, and we remember that we have fallen back into what we are not. And they're not yet remained, remaining where God would have us belong. We long for the place He has destined for us. We weep with desire for the time when this pure poverty will catch us and hold us in its liberty and never ever let us go. It is our longing, and it is our journey's hope, and it is our dream, and it is our destiny, and it is at hand, Jesus said. Just right there, you're not far from it. It's at hand, and with great grace upon us, thanks be to God, we have known it here and there and now and then. And we will know it again. O oh God, of all of us and each of us, God beyond us and between us, God who is our source and our destiny, let great grace fall upon us. And especially on this wonderful place, this good church, in this new day, in this important time, let grace fall again. Lead us to a place of letting go. Lead us into unity and because of that into the bold witness that is so needed in this world of ours. Through Christ we pray. Amen. As always, we respond to God's truth as we have met it in this hour. In a moment, we'll stand together as Randall leads us to sing our hymn of response. Our ministers will be at the back as they always are to greet you, to visit with you, and discern with you, and pray with you about what's going on in your life and perhaps decisions that are a part of that. Let's stand together now as we express our faith together. Spirit working in creation, bringing order out of strife. Come around God's gathered people, giving harmony and life. Spirit speaking through the prophets, so the voice of God was heard. Come inspire all of your people to this day's prophetic word. Spirit over 
shadowing Mary as the Christ child in her groom. Come so that the Christ within us may today be born anew. Spirit coming from the Father as a dove upon our Lord. Come your favor, favored people, and your blessings be outward. Spirit driving to the desert, even God's anointed one, come to us in trial and testing, that God's will in us be done. Spirit breathed on the disciples, giving peace where there was fear. Come among us, touch us, send us, making Jesus' presence near. Spirit, wind and flame empowering, fearless witness to the lost. Come unite, renew your wonders as a Pentecost, praise and glory, Holy Spirit, for your love on us outpoured, giving honor to the Father and proclaiming Jesus' just a moment as you are prayerfully led to come forward for communion. Remember that there'll be three stations here at the front and one at the back that is gluten-free. You're invited always to move to your right out of your pew and back to your left as you come to receive communion by intinction where you take the bread and, and dip it there into the cup. If you're in the pews there and you would like to remain there, just lift a hand and our deacons will find you with with the elements, and children always, those who have not professed faith in Christ yet, are invited to come forward to the altar for a blessing, as we always do when we move forward to this altar. Pray with me. God, who has come to us in Jesus, have mercy upon us. We have seen a great light, but so often walk in darkness. Forgive us. Deliver us, purify us, that we might be what you intend. And now, may we awaken again to your presence at this table and in this meal, and receive again by receiving this bread and cup your great love for us. Amen. On the night before he was betrayed, and as they gathered at the table, Jesus took the bread and he blessed it. And he broke it. And then he said to them, This is my body that is broken for you. And then he took the cup. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for many. Come, take all of it. I want to call Lev Lauren Everick forward. There she is. Great. If you don't already know Lauren, she's a member of Calvary, and she serves in many different areas of our church, including teaching Sunday school, 
and pre-K Fuse Choir, as well as other areas. Two weeks ago, she got married to her new husband named Aaron. Aaron serves at... Aaron is not with us today because he serves at First United Methodist Church Waco as their youth pastor. Um, but I wanted to recognize Lauren and her recent marriage. I also wanted to introduce Lauren as our youth and children's ministry intern for the summer. She will be serving with us in different capacities in the children's ministry and youth ministry. And we are excited to have her come on board. She will be in the Welcome Center today for you to welcome her in this new role. And just a quick announcement, in case you don't know yet, summer is here. The planning for it and the thinking about it is over, and now the time is to do it. We we are ready at Calvary. There are a slew of opportunities for you to participate and be ministered to and administer to. Please look at your announcement sheets. They're there for you in detail. I don't want to go through all of them with you this morning, but they're all important, and particularly moms and dads. There's a lot of important information for you to see here because there's something for every member of your family to be involved in. Our pastor is away at, on her sabbatical, but she has left us a lot of things to get done before she gets back. In particular, bottom of the first page, there's a ministry opportunity that is new for us. We are going to participate with Waco ISD and Meals on the bus for the summer. Every day in the, during the week, they're going to bring a bus with food for the children of this area to Celia Park across the street. And they're asking us to participate with other churches in the area to welcome the children and encourage the children to come and get the food. So on Tuesdays and Thursdays from now to the middle of August, Calvary will be participating in that. Listen to the Spirit as He talks to you, or she talks to you, about what you need to do about participating with this and the other ministries of the summer, and God bless you. To God, who by the power at work within each one of us is able to do far more than we can ask or even imagine, to God be the glory in Christ Jesus and in His church and in each one of us. Amen. 